strong voices. It's not just about one state, it's not just about one community, it's about all of our communities. The issues that face Indigenous peoples around the world sit at the heart of the questions that we're asking about the future of our political order. I am here and now, and I speak my language. I practice my cultural essence of me. What we do need is a more critical race consciousness in this country, a preparedness to talk about race, to talk about the way in which racialized logics are inscribed upon our bodies and to critically examine them in order to change it. The government's changed, but we've got to be still here. We're always going to be still here. We've been here for 65,000 years and I don't think we're going to go anywhere. What the system still struggles with is this collaboration with First Nations people. A strong voice is an Aboriginal voice. Hello, good morning and welcome to Strong Voices. I'm Carl Dowling. Great to have your company today. We're coming to you live from the Karma Radio Studios here on Arunda Country in Central Australia and broadcasting to all nations through Vast Channel 911. We're of course coming to you online as well via our website at karma.com.au. It's Tuesday, the 13th of August, 2019. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Hopefully you're having a great Tuesday. Uh, Just a warning, though, today's program will contain distressing material, the name and audio of a deceased person. Well, coming up on the program, we are going to be hearing from some Aboriginal health students from across Australia who are studying things such as speech pathology, nursing, public health and exercise science. They've been going around and speaking with students and going to a range of different schools. They're also going to be going to a career expo as well and talking about the importance of having Aboriginal people involved in the health area. We're also going to be hearing the latest in the coronial inquest of David Dungai Jr. And we're, of course, as well going to be hearing the very latest in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander news from right across the country. We're going to go to a quick track now, though, and then we'll come back with our first interview. Hey, Mob, this is Patrick Johnson, and you're listening to Strong Voices. Be deadly and stay deadly. Welcome back to Strong Voices. Uh, With the number of First Nations peoples slowly decreasing in the health sector, Indigenous Allied Health Australia is aiming to encourage more young people to consider choosing one of the 28 careers that are available to study in the health sector. Jowan woman Kylie Struthers, the Director of Workforce Development at the Indigenous Allied Health Australia, uh, has been travelling around the Northern Territory with six Aboriginal students from around the country who are studying speech pathology, nursing, medicine, occupational therapy, exercise science and public health, visiting schools and speaking with students, and will also be attending a career expo. Karma's Damien Williams spoke with Kylie Struthers and Dred- Jed Fraser, a Bajara an injury man from uh, southwest Queensland who was doing his master's in public health and he spoke to them about their visit. So everyone knows who I am. I'm Kylie Stothers. I'm a Jarwin woman from Catherine in the Northern Territory, but I'm the Director of Workforce Development for Indigenous Allied Health Australia, or as we're known as IHA. So we're about supporting and growing our mob to consider going into allied health careers, and there's 28 of those different disciplines we look at. So everything from social work and um, psychology, mental health, to occupational therapy, pharmacy, speech pathology, podiatry, so a whole range of different careers. And we're here 
here in Central Australia this week, we've brought with us um, six Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health professionals from around the country who are studying a variety of different health careers. And we're going into schools to talk to our young people maybe to inspire them to become the next generation of health people that we need in our communities. And we're doing the Career Expos. So here at Alice Springs Convention Centre tonight and tomorrow, and then we head up to Tennant Creek for the Career Expo up there as well. Now, how important is it, you know, to getting more of our mob into the health sector? Yeah, it's really important, Damien. As you know, you know... um, Unfortunately, a lot of our mob, we're getting quite sick and we're losing a lot of our old people before we should. Um, So we really need to stay healthy and strong. And so it's about getting our mob to think about those health um, positions they should consider going into. So we know what doctors do. We know what nurses do. And for a long time, we've been doing some work there, getting more Aboriginal mob to, to be doctors and to be nurses, which is amazing, and midwives. And obviously, we've got Aboriginal health practitioners and we need more mob to be thinking about because becoming an Aboriginal health practitioner. But now we're actually getting our mob, you know, graduating being, you know, an Aboriginal pharmacist. Like how amazing is that when you go into the chemist and you can actually meet an Aboriginal person? Um, Social work, psychology, exercise physiology, occupational therapy. So all of these um, professions, they really help our mob stay strong and healthy and in community. And that's what we'd like to see more of. And now we've got Jed Fraser as well. You're studying um, your master's in public health. Can you tell us a bit about how you, you, sought, you sought that profession out? Yeah, so I did my undergraduate degree in exercise science, and that was sort of more one-on-one sort of um, care. And I really wanted to get more exposure at a population level. So once I graduated, I was practicing as well, but I thought, you know, there's plenty of opportunity for me to keep studying. So... Um, essentially just decided to go back to university and keep studying and um, IHA's there to support me through my studies so we have a very good network across the country of up and coming Indigenous um, health, allied health workers um, which is amazing and it shows that the future is in good hands but as Kylie has mentioned we do need more people to go to university and um, essentially come back and work in community, give back and help our people which is something that I'm very passionate about and very um, you know happy to be a part of and um, really want to you know inspire the young people um, to make good decisions and come back and work with our mob which is super important yeah how, and how important is it like you know to get that kind of support as well to be able to you know continue your studies on yeah absolutely it's, it's very critical especially you know um, being in a institution where um, indigenous people are not necessarily shown to be there so um, having that support um, by IHA and with our other students to really, you know, be the forefront of our health and, and uh, help our community. So the support really puts us up on the map and it makes us feel accountable and also as a collective community that's bigger than ourselves, which is essentially what we want to do is um, help our mob and live long, healthy lives with culture in the forefront, which is really important. Yeah, and and having that uh, culturally appropriate healthcare as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's the one thing that we are really, you know, as Indigenous people, culture needs to be central. Um, And when you go to university, that's not there in the curriculum or anything like that. It's starting to change, but it's not in the forefront. So when we do our practice and where we're educating, we're doing it from that Indigenous perspective, which is critical, critical, critical for care. Mm. 
Absolutely, Damien. And I was just going to say, you know, a lot of the work I has been doing is advocating for culturally safe services for our mob across the country. I mean, we're a national body, obviously, but we work in partnership locally. So here in the Territory, we work closely with AMSANT to make sure that our services are culturally safe for our people to access. And, you know, this up-and-coming emerging... um, health professionals like the students we've got on this program, they're going to change the system and, you know, really make sure that we actually advocate for culturally safe services for our people. Uh, I mean, like we were talking a bit earlier as well, and I was talking to um, John Patterson from Amsant, talking about... um how sadly the health sector for uh, you know having Aboriginal people working in it, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, it, it's slowly declining, mm. and it, it's a. How, how do we sort of? Um, well, you're doing it now, yeah. you know, going around promoting and and, and advocating for uh, more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health practitioners. Uh, how do we get more of that happening? Yeah, it's a really good question, Damien. So I think we have to look at it holistically like we always have done where we look after our mob. Um, it's really can be quite a challenging space to work in. If you can imagine you're the only Aboriginal person going to uni and studying something like speech pathology and you're in a big cohort, it's quite an isolating experience. Then when you go in the workplace, you might be the only Aboriginal person in that workplace too. So a lot of the work IHAR does is not only just supporting students like Jed's mentioned, but we also work with our non-Indigenous health professionals and really advocate that they need to be doing ongoing professional development around cultural safety if they need to understand our histories they need to understand why it's it's hard for our mob to walk in the front door sometimes for services particularly if that that service hasn't had a good reputation with our community so they need to understand all of that sort of stuff they also need to understand gender issues you know men's and women's business is really important and sometimes people I think work in the health professions take that stuff for granted so we really advocate that you know Yes, we're training to be health professionals Western way, but the students that are coming through and the students that have already graduated out there practising, they bring their cultural knowledge too, and that's the stuff that we want to actually keep advocating for. And and when it comes to uh, health studies and that kind of thing, it can be some of the longest study times isn't it like you know four five years to be a doctor and that yeah. kind of stuff how how are we um how are you guys going with trying to get our mob to to stick at it and and keep going yes that's a really good question so we have support networks like aha but it's important to note there's also other careers in health that aren't just university degrees as well there's also um tafe pathways um so there's other courses that are shorter that you can still work in health which is really important we need people to go into them as well but it comes back to at university yes it is a long time i'm in my fifth year of study and that's a large chunk of out of out of my time but um you just got to think of the bigger picture and that's where we need to come together and that's what the best thing about being part of the student network is we all see the bigger picture it's not about us it's about the future Mm. absolutely and I think also Damien the way that IHAR is working is we're trying to work with um, our university and the vet sector to look at cultural pathways and education pathways that suit our mob in communities so we work with like Bachelor Institute we're working with Charles Darwin University and Flinders University to look at different programs and pathways that meet the needs for our community so Sometimes it's it, the barrier to going to university is we've got to move away long distance to go away to, 
to get into university. If we have to go away, it's looking at when we go to those universities, are they culturally safe? Do we got mob on country that can welcome us when we get down there? Um, how are we going to get looked after? Are we going to come back for placements? So a lot of the work we're doing on this trip with these students is looking at clinical placements too, getting our students to be able to come home to the territory to practice, yeah, cool. you know, do their placements with their own families. Um, and that can be difficult, you know, working with your own mob. Yeah. Um, but it's also with Allied Health, you know, there's a lot of funding around medicine and nursing, which is great. It's awesome that, you know, medical and nursing students get that access to funding. But Allied Health, sadly, we're like the poor cousins sometimes. And so a lot of the work we do is advocate for students like Jed and the others on the program that they can access the same funding to go to university, the same funding to be able to do placements back in community. Um, and so we've got a good relationship at the moment where we're looking at scholarships and bursaries to enable our mob to come back to places like Central Australia and remote communities to be able to do that clinical placement. And as we've talked about earlier as well, uh, you know, being um, nursing, being one of the primary um, spaces where Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people have focused a lot on, what other areas have you seen that um, are starting to, uh, you know, attract those uh, other students in, into? Yeah, no, that's a great question. There's a lot more uh, students going into things like physiotherapy, um, all the other allied health, pharmacy, um, and we also, get, at the moment, we've got more graduates and doctors than we ever had mm. before, so um, there is a lot more students enrolling in university. Uh, the, the thing is, we got, they've got to stick it out, and mm. that's where we need mm. that, that support, because like Kylie has mentioned, students move away to the big big cities, well, that can be quite confronting, and if there's not that support around them, then they get lost in the system, um, which is really unfortunate. So there is a lot of growth happening, but we need a, it needs to be more as well. And Carly, talk to you a bit about the iHeart National Conference that will be coming up in September. Can you tell us a bit about what's on the agenda there? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Damien. So I guess our organisation, iHeart, we've learnt from our what we call our brother and sister organisations, the Australian Indigenous Doctors Association and the Congress of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Nurses and Midwives. They've been around for 20 plus years. And iHeart, this is our 10 year anniversary this year. So 2019 marks 10 years of our organisation being around supporting people like Jed and others to, to pursue their health dreams. So our conference is on in Darwin from the 23rd to the 25th of September, um, which marks our milestone 10-year anniversary. We've got our awards and gala night, so that's one of the, the great things. We'll celebrate 10 awards, national awards, which recognises, you know, sometimes those quiet achievers in our community that are really making a change on the ground for our people and changing the health outcomes. So that'll be a fun night out on the, on the 24th. Um, but yeah, so registrations are still open and people can check us out on our um, Facebook page. We're on Facebook, Indigenous Allied Health Australia, or our website, which is www.iaha.com.au. Um, and, yeah, we welcome people to come up to, um, to Darwin, join us for this big national conference, people coming from all over Australia, different mob. And, you know, our conference is mostly Aboriginal mobs, so it's mostly our people coming together to talk about it. But, obviously, we have our non-Indigenous colleagues. Um, most people tell me when they come to our conference, Damien, that we're like a big family. Mm. Like it's not so much like your normal health conference. We really get down and we, we do things a bit differently. We do yarning circles. We do workshops where we really talk about what are the issues on the ground, but also what are the strengths of our community? Where are those strengths and how can we actually build on them for our next generation as well? So yeah, please check us out and we'd love to see more people come and join us in Darwin in September. 
On that note, uh, Kylie and Jed, thanks very much for joining me here on Calm Radio. No, thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Damien. Really appreciate the time. See you, listeners. That was Kylie Struthers there from Indigenous Allied Health Australia and medical student Jed Fraser ending that report from Karma's Damien Williams. We're going to go to a break now and then we'll be right back. You're listening to Strong Voices here on Karma Radio. I'm Carl Dowling, your host. Great to have your company today. Well, a little bit earlier, we heard about the uh, we heard about up and coming First Nations peoples pursuing a career in health. We heard from uh, Jawan woman Kylie Struthers, the director of workforce development at the uh, Indigenous Allied Health Australia. Well, Lorena Walker had the opportunity to sit down with uh, Donna Robertson and Lily Ryan, who are two of the uh, two more of the young Aboriginal people who are travelling around at the moment, uh, advocating for more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health practitioners. They've been going to schools and speaking with students. They're also going to be heading to a career expo as well. Uh, here's that conversation that uh, Lorena had with uh, the two students the other day. So we're going to go into that conversation now. I'm Donna Robinson. My family originally from Babinda, from the rainforest, but I grew up in Mergen Sherberg on Waka Waka country and I'm now studying a Bachelor of Nursing Science and I'm a year from graduating. My name's Lily Ryan and I'm a cubby cubby woman, but the other half of my family is SSI, so just off a small island near Vanuatu. And although I grew, that's my, where my mom's from, I grew up on Yagara land and now I'm a medicine student at Melbourne Uni and I've got about probably the rest of my life before I'm done. So, <laughs> oh, Awesome. Well, I just want to say thank you for joining us uh, here today. And, um, yeah, awesome to have you here on Aranda Country, uh, Alice Springs, or as we call it, Mumbantua. Um And, yeah, thanks for coming in. And just um, for both of you, uh, well, I'll, I'll go with Donna first. What made you want to become uh, a nurse or want to get in that field? Ever since I can remember from when I was little, I always loved helping people and i seen the work they done with my grandmother when I was sick, when, uh, when she was sick, sorry, when I was little. And it really just cemented that, you know, all out, like I want to help my people, my family. Lily, as well, just for you, what, what made you want to become a medical student? And, um, well, yeah. when I was a kid, this sounds, this sounds so like gammon, but I was like, oh, I want the stethoscope, I want the lab coat, I want a, you know, the big car. It just really appealed to me. And then I had to start putting in the work and I got to go um, with this great Indigenous group on a camp and we went out to community in um, ACT and I got to see what was actually going down and I was like, oh my God, our people need help and they need help from our mob. They don't need other people coming in. I grew up in a family where you help each other and it was time that, you know, I stepped up and didn't just have the flashy white coat and the um, stethoscope. It was time to help the people who needed my help, Mm -hmm. which is my mob. Yeah. So that's my big driver, I guess. Yeah, that's true. I've always feel very inspired by, you know, um, coming across and meeting, you know, different Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people from around the country and what they do and and their drive just, you know, every day in, you know, whatever field. And I even, like, for me, I I was a dental assistant before I I came into working in radio. So. 
um, yeah, I think that, that that was kind of my drive, finishing school. I wanted to help my mob too. And mm-hmm. I suppose you see it even more now because we know our Aboriginal health and just the age difference between non-Indigenous mm-hmm. and our mob, it, it shows. What's it like now? Because like, um, you now obviously on this... Um, it's a bit of a tour around NT, yeah, would yeah, you say? we're running a program um, called High School to Healthcare um, and we're doing it with IHA, which is the Indigenous Allied Health Australia. We're going out to the different high schools and talking to the kids about what health looks like because health looks like a lot of different things and there's so many different pathways to get to where you want to go. So just to touch on that, this morning we were at Girard. Yeah. There were students there that, you know, like especially the fellas, you know, they're like, oh, you know, we don't want to work in a hospital. And we explained that, you know, you like footy. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, well, why don't you follow the footy team around and help them out? Like travel the world, you know. Mm-hmm. If And then if you know you want to come back to community and help your mob, then, you know, do that. But definitely stick it out if there's something you're passionate about. Yeah, yeah. and it's not just about the... The paycheck, we're gaining knowledge and experience, but we're also giving our knowledge and experience mm. from... I was going to say, just, there's a lot of incorporation. Yeah, it is, yep. and we're, we're it's it's that um, coming together, and, um, yeah, that that's cool that you, you explained it to, you know, the, the fellas like that. They would have looked at it like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that, that is something. Yeah. They've seen it as a hospital setting, and it's not just a hospital setting. Yeah. There's so many avenues and so many fields you can go into, and, mm. you know, then the world's your oyster, like... yeah. Yeah, There's so, so many opportunities open true. up. Yeah, what do you get out of travelling to different communities um, and, and, you know, coming across and meeting different people? So definitely here this morning, it was tailoring the way we approached giving our knowledge to the students and how they received it then. Like, we spoke about um, comparing the heart to a river so when you're at rest, it's like a river in the dry season. There's not a lot of pressure. There's not, not force. But then we made them exercise for a minute <laughs> and they were all amazed at how much their heart increased. And then we're like, well, that's like the river in wet season, you know. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, well, we can, we can see that now. And this has been something that we've just started. But it's going to be interesting, like, when we get up to Tennant Creek and definitely to compare the two places because they are so different. Yeah, and that's the thing, I think, with with all the different communities, even though it may look like the same from the outside, but when you start talking to people about different things, mm. you'll start hearing the different stories and, and the different... Um, challenges that they they come across uh, you know during their day day-to-day life and uh, what are some of the social issues that you find today that you just it's, it's just it just gets to you yeah I'm really passionate about quite a lot of um, indigenous issues and so um, I guess one of the issues that Graham only recently found out about that I'm really passionate about is that we have indigenous communities within Australia a first world country, that are suffering from third world problems. And the rest of Australia seems to be turning a blind eye to it because it's not convenient for them. And it's not affecting, you know, mainstream, pardon my French, white Australians. Mm -hmm. But our our mobs out there suffering and they shouldn't be, you know. These are simple things with simple Solutions. solutions. Yeah, and the more mob we have on board to go help our families, the better it's going to be. Just because we're not related doesn't mean we're not family. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we tried to get across, like, yeah. especially to Lily, who's just joined the IAHA family, that, 
you know, we may not be related, but we're family. We're here to support. There's no no getting out of it once you're in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and you mentioned, Donna, like you're you've got like nearly a year. Mm-hmm. Um, to go with your study. Yep. Um, just for those out there who are looking to study nursing or uh, in nursing and are finding it difficult, what important message do you have to them about just trying to keep up that, um, yeah, that positive thinking and just trying uh, to get through it? So I definitely took the long way around. I started in Townsville for three years in a nursing midwifery program and I never finished so I come home for personal reasons and I took six months off and then started again so I think I've almost been in uni five years so it doesn't matter how long it takes it's about keep pushing through and like keeping those family relationships and you know you find what inspires you and then you know that's your focus that's yeah, sometimes the straight road isn't the right road. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it curves and you weave around and you're not too yep. sure if you're going to end up where you want to go. But you keep your family by your side and you'll find your way. Yep, definitely. Yeah, that's right. And that, that's the thing with our mob too. Like, we're so family orientated. Even, yes. if, we, if, even if we choose not to be, it's still, family's always still yep. going to be there, eh? Yeah, and found that very much in Townsville. Like, it was a 13-hour drive home when something happened. So it was it was definitely a choice to move, like, two and a half hours away from them now. is, mm. And, yeah, like, it makes it makes me feel so much better knowing that they're right there and I can be there for them. I guess I'm pretty lucky that I've gotten a spot far from my family, but my mum gets to kind of visit on occasion, so I don't feel too lonely, but... My biggest push is, you know, I I do a lot of volunteer work. I mentor a lot of kids Mm. and seeing them get better is incredible. And going out to community or just going to speak to anyone else who's suffering in our community and going, hey, look, it's actually going to be okay. Or seeing other Indigenous doctors and you're like, wow, you know, Mm. we all support each other. It's that's that seeing thing. that, you know, if it's one in a hundred person make it like that, that is enough to make your day slash mm. your year. Like, yeah. it's an incredible feeling. It's such a good... And at my uni, we have so much support within our little group. Mm. We're all doing different stuff, but yeah. we're all trying to get an education. Yeah. So Yeah. Who in your family or around you inspires you? So definitely my, my dad's mum. She passed when I was little. And then just elders on community. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely our elders are so important to us. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Lily, um, for you? Um, my mum, hands down. She was a single mum with two kids and a little cousin. And she had to hold four drugs, I think, at the time. She put herself through uni whilst trying to take care of us, who were a whole handful. And she still managed to do it. And now she's back in community, helping, rebuilding, getting it together, helping other mums out there. She runs the grandparents' weekend. Like she's doing incredible things, and I'm like, wow, if she can do that with that mm. with that much responsibility on her shoulders, surely I can, you know? Yeah, I can do it. Yeah, get through your degree. And I yeah. think like goes for anyone. Yeah, if you if you want it, yeah, go after it, and everyone will help pull it together. And it doesn't matter if it takes you six months or six years, you will get there in the end. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Just the, um, 
the strength and resilience that we have eh, as mm-hmm. as people and and like you said before Donna it doesn't it doesn't matter how long um, it takes as long as you get there at the end and yep. mm-hmm. um, just for yourselves for this trip how has this trip been on your lives personally coming out and traveling yeah. I hire in general that this trip especially has been an amazing opportunity mm-hmm. being able to go out and talk to the kids like it's very much well and good to sit in a, a back row view and be like, oh, you should all join health careers. But to sit down with them this morning, teach them how to find their pulse and, mm-hmm. you know, explaining what's going on, you just see them, they get it. They click and they get it. And you just be able to sit with them and go, hey, you know, mainstream school might not say you're smart, but you are damn smart and yep. you can take it on. Like, And they are. And the moment you explain it, they're like, yep, got it, moving on. Like, yep. <laughs> especially the fellas, they get that real smug look about, oh, no, I know that. And you're yeah, like, yeah. good on ya. Like, yeah, yeah. It's real good. Well, cool. And Donna? Um, yeah, no, this is this is an incredible opportunity and we're hoping that we have an ongoing relationship with the college and yeah. especially through IHA and, you know, even to get a phone call in, you know, a couple of years to say just one of those students went on and done a career in health and that, like, the six of us that are here for this week did something Yeah, mm. and, you know, like, maybe they were thinking about it. Maybe we just, you know, gave them that extra push, like, but... They are so much smarter than they let on. Like, they, they pretend they're all shy and, you know, they, nah, nah, we don't know that. And then you start talking and you get you get them comfortable and, you know, in their surroundings and they're like, bam, bam, bam. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Like, it's so good to see. How did you get involved with this program? Was it something you applied for? So for this um, Northern Territory trip, so there was an expression of interest and then we applied for it and Kylie actually handpicked the six of us that are here. And there's a range of us. There's speech, OT, medical, nursing, exercise, phys, and then public health. So it's... It's a nice little collection of us to show that here's a few different options and let's talk about some more. And Especially like when we got to the kids today and they realised that health isn't just the doctor at mm. the hospital. There's mm. so much more to it. And especially I think for our mob, it's, in, it's important to encourage that learning yeah. and that transfer of knowledge. And even to talk about scholarships to say, you know, like, yeah, you you're gonna have to leave community but the end result is definitely worth it and um and community is going to be here when you get back yeah yeah ain't no one going anywhere yeah that's true that's true well i just want to say a huge thank you both to donna and lily for coming onto the karma network um and coming in and having a chat with us just about your careers and you know even yourselves telling your stories is quite inspiring so yeah thank you both for for coming on to karma thank you so much thank for you. having us yeah. Yes, that was uh, Donna Robertson and Lily Ryan there speaking with Karma's Lorena Walker. We're going to be hearing the latest in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander news from right across the country right after this. Hey, this is Cathy Freeman. You're listening to Strong Voices on Karma Radio. That's right, you're listening to Strong Voices this Tuesday morning. Great to have your company. A big good morning to uh, Damien Williams and Lorena Walker here joining me in the studio. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Carl, and good morning to our listeners. Good morning. Well, uh, it's of course time for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander news from across the country. We'll start with you, Lorena. We're heading down to South Australia. I understand celebrating a significant milestone there. Yeah, the Adelaide Festival Centre is proud to celebrate uh, it. The 14th year of Our Mob, which is a unique and outstanding exhibition of art 
uh, across a wide range of media. Um, and this year, the free exhibition features 160 artworks from over 80 First Nations artists, um, ranging from the ages of 6 to 79 years old. So, yeah, this is going to be happening on the 23rd of August up until the 3rd of October um, in the QBE galleries at the um, Adelaide Festival Centre. Yeah, so, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and there's going to be pl- plenty of prizes to be won. Um, and this has been happening since 2006. So, yeah, really just showcasing the the artworks across all bo- all platforms uh, when it comes to um, South Australian Aboriginal art. And definitely very important, you know, we've been having those discussions before about, you know, the, you know, Damien, you were talking about it a long ago, the Darwin Art Fair yeah. as well, the importance of supporting exactly. that art and hey, it's, it's, it's and really, then, really important. And like Lorena's saying, and, and what is happening around the country with Aboriginal art, mm. you know, you're going from the old traditional sort of um, fine art from canvas to like now people making um, furniture, clothes, um, all sorts of things, ornaments, all that kind of stuff, and just incorporating that Aboriginal um, culture into you know fashion and all that kind of stuff as well. It's pretty cool. Mm, definitely. Uh, we're going to stay in South Australia, I understand, Damo, for your story about uh, initiative to do with uh, Indigenous filmmakers. Yeah, well, South, the South Australian Film Corporation and Screen and T have partnered to launch Centralised, an initiative to support Indigenous filmmakers across South Australia and the Northern Territory um, through funding, support and development opportunities as well. So the initiative, um, which has also been supported by Screen Australia, uh, Screen Australia's Indigenous Department, um, Documentary Australia Foundation, the Afters Indigenous um, uh, School down there as well, the ABC, NITV, and uh, will involve mentoring, workshops, attachments and internships, um, existing Aboriginal-led media organisations in South Australia and NT will also be involved in the program. So, yeah, another great, um, you know, um, initiative there to start showing off a lot of our um, filmmakers and documentary makers and all that kind of stuff and, uh, you know, um, having uh, great storytellers and and, um, the like out there is is just awesome for um, Aboriginal screen. Definitely, you know, it's been great to see, you know, more and more mob over the years seeing them actually on the screen themselves and seeing them acting I think that's a, it's great encouragement for the younger generations but then also having them on the other side as well I think is is really important as well and it just goes to show I think for a lot of the younger generations that you know it doesn't matter where you're from or mm. <laughs> sort of who you are you know you can get involved in these sort of things mob uh, you know can be in the films or you know directing them or whatever it may be yeah, and I mean, like, you know, we've already seen a lot of great films coming out of um, the Aboriginal scene, you know, going way back. Definitely. Going way back to, like, um, you know, having Aboriginal actors and stuff like Mr. Goldbalil and, and, and the like there as well. Uh, you know, filmmakers like our very own Warwick Thornton and uh, Dylan River as mm-hmm. well. Um, and movies like Top End Wedding. I watched that the other day. It was so... That was deadly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool to see, like, territory people portrayed by territory people and you know having like territory themed movies is pretty cool like brand new day as well like Mm. just all amazing um 
films and stories that need to be get um, told and stuff as well on the screen. Mm. Well, on that note, uh, Damien, Lorena, thank you both for joining us for the news from around the country. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to head to a song now, and then we'll be right back. G'day, folks. This is Kutcher Edwards, and you're listening to Our Strong Voices here on Karma Radio. That's right. You're listening to Strong Voices here on Karma Radio. We're going to go to a wire report now. Uh, in 2015, David Dungai Jr. died in police custody in the Longmay Prison Hospital after being restrained and sedated. Since Mr. Dungai's death, his family have been campaigning for justice and accountability with the long-awaited verdict from the coronial inquest into Mr. Dungai's death expected to be delivered in September this year. The wire's Rob Osborne brings us this report. We would like to warn people that this report may be distressing for some people and does contain the voices of deceased persons. The road towards a coronial verdict has been a long and difficult one for David Dungay's family. Convinced that his death was both suspicious and avoidable, they have campaigned relentlessly for justice. Here's Indigenous poet, writer and activist Ken Canning speaking in a campaign video. It's also diabetic but on in his diet he was allowed to have biscuits and he had tim tams he was in a hospital cell the officer said he'd had had enough biscuits he said no this is where the stupidity of it comes in the absurdity of it comes in is that they raced him to take the biscuits off him an altercation happened uh, anywhere between five and eight prison officers are on top of him other prisoners heard him screaming out and he was dragged from that cell into another one. He was dragged screaming and they had him in a chokehold and they had him by the arms and legs. And then in the other cell, they were pinning him down, knees in the back. The audio and video of the incident, played in open court, appears to corroborate Ken Canning's account of what happened. <laughs> there were 15 days of evidence in open court earlier in the year and the window for written submissions has just closed. Justice Action is a campaigning organisation which advocates for prisoners' rights and for people compulsorily detained in mental health facilities. They have just published their comments and recommendations relating to David Dungay's death. I asked Brett Collins, coordinator of Justice Action, why the process has taken so long. I'm mean, quite candid, these things are much better dealt with while the concerns of the public and concerns of the family are there. We, when the family should not wait three, four, five years sometimes for a hearing. It's really because the coroner's court has a backlog. There are questions to answer over the conduct of both custodial and medical staff, but Brett Collins thinks there are broader issues to be addressed. Why was David, after six years in jail, coming in as an 18-year-old kid, why was he left in a situation where after six years he was put into a hospital where he was forcibly injected? How would that possibly have this de degradation of a, of a young Aboriginal person? And that the question needed to be put and needs to be put. Why were there no chances for him to have positive development? How was it that they didn't treat him like a human being? With evidence from family and other interested parties now concluded, a verdict is expected in September. Duncan Fine is special counsel with the National Justice Project and one of the lawyers acting for the Dungay family. I asked him what the coroner's options are when delivering a verdict. A coroner running an inquest really is, under the, the Coroner's Act, is really just there to investigate uh, mainly 
whether someone has died, who that person might be, and the manner and cause of death. Now, in this case, as in many cases, the, the identification of a person and the fact that they have passed away is not in dispute. It's really the manner and cause of death. And they can be very broad investigations into the background of, of how someone might have passed away. In this case, the cause of death is hard to determine because David Dungay was being held down by a number of prison guards inside the hospital at Long Bay Prison. And it's a psychiatric unit in the hospital. His cause of death was a thing that, generally speaking, is called restraint asphyxia, which is an asphyxia not the normal way that someone might be asphyxiated around their neck, but by being held face down with the weight of several people on top of you. And it's also slightly a misnomer because it's an asphyxiation where you kind of have a heart attack at the same time. We think that will be the cause of death, but the manner of death, as I said before, is a much broader concept. And I think the coroner may find things such as the inadequacy of the training inside Corrective Services New South Wales. He may investigate whether any charges might be brought against any people, although I have to say that would be extremely unlikely. David Dungay's mother, Litona, and his nephew, Paul Silver, have no doubts about what they want from the inquest. I want changes, but also I want these bastards to be accountable for what they've done to my son. More families like mine are going to go through this traumatic experience until they hold someone accountable and show corrective services New South Wales and their colleagues that enough is enough. Yes, that was a report from the wise Rob Osborne there, and that's going to conclude uh, Strong Voices for today. Thank you for tuning in. If you missed it, as stories and wanted to listen back to the program, I will be putting up a podcast of the show up on Karma SoundCloud, so you can head to your browser and look for Karma SoundCloud there, and you'll be able to find the uh, show up there. We'll also be looking to post up those stories on our webpage as well. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back the same time tomorrow. Strong voices. Get your